0: And is Jesus who makes this a glorious day. Welcome to this morning's broadcast. Glad you could join us. Please turn in your Bibles to Revelation chapter 3 verse 1. Today we return to Revelation chapter 3 for the portrait of the ancient church at Sardis. Last time we learned that they faced two dangers. Incomplete ministry works Forgotten Doctrine. Now we consider more about the church at Sardis, dead pretenders. They needed to repent because they had rationalized their sins and how easy that is for
1: me and how easy that is for you that we rationalize our sins. Well, that's, I did that because, and I said that because, did you know this? And so forth and so on. Maybe a point of obedience in this message this morning for you are spiritually alive in Christ is when he says to repent of a sin to you, then you still quiet voice, you say, yes, Lord, I will. I repent and I want to walk away from it and I want to go in your strength in a new direction. They were in danger because of incomplete ministry works. They were in danger because of forgotten doctrine. They were in danger because of unrepented of sins. And fourth danger, they were in danger because of unexpected evaluation. The last part of verse three. If you do not wake up, I will come like a thief. How does a thief come? Well, he never sends a voice message ahead on your phone that he'll be breaking in tomorrow at 4 p.m. A thief comes when you least expect it. A thief comes when you're not even thinking about him coming. Jesus says, if you don't wake up, Sardis, if you don't wake up, Milford Bible Church, I will come when you don't expect it like a thief. You don't know the hour when I'll come to you. And so basically, Jesus is saying that the ultimate pop quiz is going to be when he returns for his church, a day and an hour that no one knows except the Father. The ultimate surprise test is when the clouds part and Jesus comes to Earth's atmosphere and gathers out the dead in Christ first and then raptures us, catches us up alive, those of us who remain in Christ alive at his coming. The ultimate pop quiz. And so we've seen by way of review in the first point that the majority of this church at ancient Sardis were spiritually dead. Secondly, the minority of that church at Sardis were spiritually alive, but they were in danger And last point this morning is the minority of that church in Sardis were spiritually alive and not in danger. And why were they not in danger? Verses 4 and 5. But you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their garments, and they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He who overcomes will thus be clothed in white garments, and I will not erase his name from the book of life, and I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. Bless these believers in ancient Sardis who were spiritually alive and who were not leaving their deeds incomplete, who were not forgetting doctrines, who were not holding unrepentant of sins, who were not looking at the evaluation in an unexpected way, the evaluation of their lives that was yet to come. And the text says, these precious believers at Sardis who were the minority, they walked worthy of their calling. Just a few verses from Ephesians 4 and 5. Let them wash over you about the nature of a worthy walk as a child of God. You ready? Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. With all humility and gentleness and patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Holy Spirit and the bond of peace. For you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise The spiritual minority who are spiritually alive and not in danger were walking worthy of their calling. It says that they were wearing white. They hadn't soiled their garments by compromise and sin. You ever notice that some kids need a bib more than others? Some believers need a bib more than others. What, what else about this spiritual minority who were alive back in Sardis? Not only did they walk worthy of their calling, but second, they were fitted, they were being fitted for white clothes. I see that in the first part of verse five. He who overcomes will thus be clothed in white garments. Third thing about these believers, they understood that they were being held tight and secure in God's salvation. See that in the second part of verse five? Verse five. And I will not erase his name from the book of life. Christ will not erase your name from the Lamb's book of life if your name is in the Lamb's book of life. You're secure in your salvation. The grace that saves you is the grace that keeps you securely saved. Now some people say, well, when it says that I will not erase your name from the book of life, that that means that it's possible to erase your name from the book of life, but Jesus just said he's not going to do it. No. He's stating something that is an impossibility for emphasis. It would be like God saying this, I won't wink at sin. That statement doesn't mean he sometimes does wink at sin. It means he doesn't wink at sin. When he says, I will not erase your name from the book of life, it doesn't mean that sometimes he does erase your name from the book of life. It means that he doesn't ever erase a person's name from the book of life. Listen to what Jesus taught about eternal security in John 10. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give eternal life to them and they will never perish. Friends, when Jesus says never, he means never. They will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. That is double security. Jesus is saying that when you come to him, when he saves you, you are put into his nail-scarred palm, and he holds you, and that's enough security right there. But then Jesus says that the father's hand, as it were, that puts you into the son's nail-scarred palm, so the father's hand is over the son's hand, and you have double security. And if you push the metaphor a little further, if you go up from my hands to my wrists to my elbows to my shoulder to my neck and to my head, Jesus said, I and the father am one.
0: Thanks, Pastor Rob, for your message today. And now it's time for Youth Talk with Pastor Nicholas Rogers.
2: Good morning. This is Pastor Nicholas. And today we want to continue on talking about what it means to follow Christ. And last time we talked about how as a teenager that we need to pursue Christ no matter what. And we need to understand as parents that we need to allow our kids to follow God's plan instead of our own plans. Today we want to continue talking about, as Jesus calls his disciples, we want to consider and talk about how Jesus himself did not call the people who we all expect again. Again, as we considered last week, we talked about how Jesus, we would think that he would want the lawyers, the doctors, the rich, the, you know, those people of that day. But today we want to talk about how Jesus himself went to sinners and he understood that, you know what? All of us are sinners and we all are in need of a savior. We all are in need of healing. And this is what it says in Matthew chapter 9, verse 9. It says, As Jesus passed on there, from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at a tax booth, and he said to him, Follow me. And he rose and followed him. And as Jesus reclined at the table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard it, he said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Again, we consider as Jesus himself as calling Matthew, a tax collector. Someone who was not respected in that day. Someone who basically people saw them as stealing. And let's consider that for a second because In our own culture, as we consider coming through customs and we consider having to pay taxes to the government, none of us like a tax collector. No one likes a customs officer as we're coming in because for a lot of people, they want to try to steal from the government because that's what we're doing if we don't pay our customs and our duty. And we also see how some customs officers would even accept bribes and different things so that... They don't pay the the proper amount. So this is what we're looking at. We're looking at Matthew, a tax collector, someone who probably took bribes, someone who probably, like again, was not well respected in the community. But we see Jesus doing something that would be something that today we would not even consider. And I want us to understand the wording as this is talking about. In verse ten says, "And as Jesus reclined at the table in the house, you see Jesus was comfortable. Jesus wasn't." looking over his shoulder to see what was going on. Jesus wasn't all about, you know, well, I I can't make sure someone else don't see me here. No, no, he was reclined. And for me, I have a lazy boy, I have a reclining chair, and I can tell you that I love to recline in my chair. And I know this may not be talking about a reclining lazy boy, but we have to understand the principle here, that he was comfortable to the table of this house. And again, as we consider that, you know, we may be saying, you know, well, he was only with one Matthew. But no, what happened is we see many task collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. You see, many came and followed him. Many people were there and they wanted to hear from Jesus. But we also need to understand, we want to focus here on Matthew because Matthew understood that, look, you know what? If it's anyone who should question why Jesus is calling me to follow him, it would be me because I've stolen from people. I've collected taxes. No one likes me. But as we go back to verse 9, it says this. As Jesus said to him, follow me. He rose and followed him. Again, as we considered a week ago, we considered how immediately these guys followed Jesus. They asked no questions. They didn't question why us Jesus. No, they just followed him. And we also notice as, as we consider this and we think about when we follow Jesus, there's always going to be people who are going to question you. In fact, as we see in verse 11, the Pharisees saw this and they said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Again, they were questioning, Why is Jesus eating with these sinners? Why isn't Jesus eating with us? Why is he talking to, you know, the religious leaders of the day? Or why is he talking to you sinners? They tried to not have Jesus hear this. But when Jesus had heard this, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice for I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. You see, we need to recognize this morning as you consider this, and you may be listening this morning as a, as a young person, you may be saying to yourself, you know what? I've messed up Pastor Nicholas. I've done things in my life that Jesus would want nothing to do with me. But let me just tell you this. You're the prime person that Jesus wants. He wants you because he recognizes that, you know what, you are a sinner, you are a person that sees your sin for what it is, and you want to change that. You see, there are many people today who see themselves as righteous already, who don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, who think they have it all together, they're a good person because they've never had sex before marriage, they don't drink, they've never done drugs, they're righteous in the world's eyes. But the reality is, for you, a person, we all need to see ourselves as sinners, And even myself as a a born-again believer, I am a sinner saved by grace. There was nothing I did to deserve this. Nothing I did. But Jesus paid the price and Jesus called me to follow him. And you see, we need to understand as we consider this in our lives, for each of us who call ourselves born-again believers is this. Are we truly following Jesus with everything that we have? Are we like the disciple Matthew as as Jesus says to follow me? We leave everything behind to follow Him. You see, what is it this morning that you're holding on to? That you say, you know what? This is stopping me from giving Jesus 100%. This is stopping me from following Him with everything that I have. You see, too many times in our lives, we want to hold on. We want to give Jesus a part of our lives. And even for some of us, we will say we'll give Jesus our Sunday. But the rest of the week, I'm going to live my life how I want to live it. I challenge you if that is you. That you would recognize that when we come to follow Jesus, we are giving him everything that we have. We shouldn't hold anything back from him because he wants all of us. Not some of us, but all of us. And I would challenge you to just think things in your life that you need to give to him. And pray to him and say, God, I want to give this over to you. I want to give my whole life to you. And like I said, you know, we have said earlier, if you have any questions at all, please feel free to email us and let us know. Or call the church office at
0: 326-0800. And now, today's ministry spotlight. We're in the middle of a conversation between Pastor Elliot and Rhonda Darville, who is the founder and executive director of the Bahamas Guard Parent Center. We will resume from where we left off last time.
3: The other day, we were able to go to Puerto Rico, and we were able, in the summer of last year, we were able to go to Eleuthera. One of our corporate sponsors sponsored our trip to Eleuthera, and it was for sexual integrity training. And we were able to call him up and say, hey, we have this opportunity to go there. We don't have the means to get there. And he was able to assist us with that. And that's, training in our business is huge. Sure. You know, and so um corporate sponsors we, we really need them for that monthly support is huge also because we have to build be able to budget properly right. so if we're getting sporadic giving that works but you know for efficient we we want to do everything in a high degree of excellence yes so if we know what we're getting in on a monthly basis we can then begin to pay our staff And I say begin because right now they're just volunteering. Uh, We can can probably bring in other people to assist us in different ways. And then if we get that building, then we know how we can maintain it.
1: Sure. Just like persons who have a a full-time job are grateful to see a paycheck every week or every two weeks. (laughs) That's for sure. Let's uh, go to a dark subject, but a, a necessary subject. Um, what are some common reasons why persons choose to get an abortion?
3: Um, fear. Fear of the unknown. Fear that they'll be alone, fear that their parents will find out, fear that the community will find out pressure. Pressure from their family members. Hmm. Pressure from their mothers and fathers. Pressure from their boyfriends to abort. They're not ready. You have a life to live. Um, those things, Um, shame, shame that they found themselves in this situation, Uh, lack of support, Uh, we're not going to support you. Fear of the church, fear of being thrown out of the church, you know, that's a big thing, you know. um, They've been, a lot of times, people have been put out of the church because Mm. they've been pregnant. Mm. And see, that's the other thing that we don't think about here. So if all of these women had been put out of the church years ago, because they were pregnant. Right. Okay. So they were put out of the church. Are they then going to come back to the same church and put them up? No. Exactly. You see, and we've done this for years. And so we have to change our thinking. Mm. We, ha- we have to embrace grace. You know, bring them to the place where they can be repentant. Yes. But for the abortion-minded person, and it's so sad because sometimes I talk to a person who's considering abortion. And I said, do your parents know that you're having sex? Yes. I said, so if they know that you're having sex, why don't they think that you're going to get pregnant? It's a, natu- yes. it's a natural process. Uh-huh, it is. But you see, we believe the lie that contraceptives give us safe sex, mm-hmm. and it doesn't. Mm-hmm. It doesn't. So we know our kids are out there doing things. We know this. You know, we see our kids partying. We have people whose kids are laying in the bed with their friend, boyfriend or girlfriend they know what's happening or they're behind closed doors why don't you believe that they'll potentially be pregnant
1: right it's real denial
3: exactly we're living in such a you know a place that we don't want to see it for what it is and then we have the the adage that children will do what they want to do people are going to do it anyhow
1: so their wild oats
3: that's something that's been taught in this country for years. Mm-hmm. So, you, boys, go out and sow your wild oats. Right. You know, and then settle down with a good girl afterwards.
1: Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> wow. Well, th- thanks for that. It's uh, needful to, to talk about that. If that was a dark side, let's go to the light side. What are some common reasons for persons to choose life for their unborn child?
3: Knowledge. Knowledge. Understanding that... First of all, there it is a child, yes, it is a human being, it is not a clump of cells, right? From the time of conception, that's a human being, separate and apart from the mother,
1: absolutely right.
3: Love, you know, some people just know I can't do this, you know. Um, support of those around them. Remember when we initially started, we said, What did we want to? the Bahamas Parent Center to be a net of support Yes, support is huge when a person believes that they're by themselves think about it, if you're alone and you're in probably the darkest situation of your life that you, you can imagine mm-hmm. but there's nobody and you know that you won't get support you know that you won't get support because for years you've heard do what you want to do, don't get pregnant don't bring no baby around here these are the types of things. Get your education before you have a baby. All of these things. If you don't have that support, then you make the wrong choice. But if you have that support, you can then make the right choice. You can make a different choice. Um, but education is power. If we can educate not just the woman. If we have a young mother who is 19, 20, she's living at home. Sometimes we have to educate her parents because mm-hmm. they're like, no, she has a life to live. She can't I can't I can't have her walking down this road and they take her to have the abortion. She may not want the abortion, but they take her. Educating them that if you take your daughter down this road, do you understand? Do you understand the consequences of this? Mm-hmm. You know? So yes. Knowledge, love, support. And if we can educate them and, and be there for them. Be there for them when, you know, it's a bad day and all they want to do is cry. Because mm-hmm. you know, homeowner woman. During pregnancy someday she just wants to cry sure so we're selling them it doesn't matter what you need on any given day we
0: will be there with you That's all the time we have for today. We'll pick up from there next time Lord Willing for more information on the Bahamas Guard Parent Center you can phone them at 6984306 It's time for answers to your questions. We urge you to take a moment, and get a pen and paper and take down the references used so that you can do your own study later on we here at Echoes of Calvary are always excited to receive your letters of support and your questions which we seek to answer right away and also here on the show you can send us your letters at eocradio at gmail.com. that's eocradio at gmail.com Today, Pastor Elliot draws from Carl Laney's excellent book, Answers to Tough Questions. This book was published back in 1997. And once again, here is Pastor Robert Elliot. I have a question based on Romans chapter 2, verse 5.
1: But because of your stubbornness and unrepentant heart, You are storing up wrath for yourself in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. Question, are unbelievers really lost apart from faith in Christ? The main point of Romans chapter 1 verse 18 all the way through Romans chapter 3 verse 20 is that unbelievers are lost and face God's righteous judgment apart from saving faith in Christ. Paul emphasizes that this is true of Gentiles. See Romans 1, 18 to verse 32. It's true of morally good people. See Romans 2, verses 1 through 6. It's true of Jewish people. See Romans two, seventeen through chapter 3, verse 8. And in fact, it's true of all mankind. See Romans chapter 3, verses 9 through 20. Paul sums up his main point of this first section of Romans in Romans 3 verse 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Paul makes it clear that God is not unfair in judging unbelievers. See Romans 1 verses 18 and 19. God has revealed himself through his creation so that the truth of his existence and divine attributes is clearly evident. See Romans 1 verse 19. On the basis of this general revelation, the world is without excuse in its rejection of God. See Romans chapter 1 verse 20. God promises that there will be a day of wrath and revelation of his righteous judgment. See Romans chapter 2 verse 5. Paul insists that this judgment will be without partiality. See Romans 2 verse 11. Paul's teaching concerning the way of salvation corresponds to the words of Christ, quote, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. That's John chapter 14 verse six. The encouraging thing for us to remember is that Jesus died for the sins of the world and his provision of salvation extends to all who will believe. No one is eternally lost apart from his or her personal decision to reject God and God's self-revelation. Those who respond to this general revelation will receive further light from God. See Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 and they will have an opportunity to receive salvation in Christ. See John chapter 6, verse 37.
0: You've been listening to Echoes of Calvary, a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church, Nassau, Bahamas. Our morning worship services are at 8 a.m. and 11 a.m. in our sanctuary located on Collins Avenue. We encourage you to join us. Feel free to write us at eocradio at gmail.com. That's eocradio at gmail.com or P.O. Box N1684, Nassau, Bahamas. And remember, everyone needs a Savior.